My name is James Fleming, Chief Executive of Sandair, and today I wanted to speak about the concept of culture and why it is important to create a positive culture in business, and the factors that, in my view, are integral to achieving this. At Sandair, we place culture and values at the heart of our business. But what does the term culture actually mean? There are many definitions of the word culture, varying across an array of industries, countries and religious beliefs. However, if you turn to the dictionary, it defines culture as the customs and beliefs, the way of life and social organisation of a particular country or group of people. So in other words, we can say that culture is often thought of as a system of values, beliefs and behaviours that influence how an organisation conducts its activities. If you think about it, culture is not something that can be bought, but it can be created. It can't be touched, but it can be felt. Culture is not something that is necessarily tangible, but a negative culture can be totally destructive to an organization. Recently, at a conference that I was speaking at, I asked attendees if they had experienced a negative culture at some point in their lives. To my surprise, almost the entire room raised their hands and used words including toxic, poisonous and unpleasant to describe their experiences. These are powerful words and it is clear that a negative culture does not inspire people to be the best that they can be and in many cases can be debilitating. In contrast, a positive culture can be enhancing to the performance of an organisation, its staff and to the service received by clients. At the same conference, words such as energising, motivating, warm, engaging and stimulating were used to describe experiencing a positive culture. Not only is culture important to individuals, but we should also remind ourselves that culture is a subject that is high on the agenda of importance for our regulator, the Financial Conduct Authority, also known as the FCA. Following the global financial crisis of a few years ago, there has been an increasing focus in recent years from the regulatory authorities to culture across the working environment of financial services companies. For a definition of culture through the eyes of our financial regulator, we can turn to Jonathan Davidson, Director of Supervision at the FCA. He describes culture as the typical habitual behaviours and mindsets that characterise a particular organisation. The behaviours are the way things get done around here. They are the way that we act, speak and make decisions without thinking consciously about it. And sitting underneath these behaviours or habits are mindsets inside people's heads, the beliefs or values that people feel are important. So why are the regulatory authorities so focused towards ensuring that boards of directors take responsibility for creating the right culture? Well, the consensus view is that culture drives behaviour and behaviour in turn drives outcomes. If the goal of any organisation is to drive positive outcomes, then it follows that the organisation must have a positive culture in place in order to drive the appropriate behaviours to deliver good outcomes for customers and for the organisation and its staff. So how do we create a positive culture in our working environment? In the time available on this podcast, I would like to focus on three elements 
that I believe are important and need to be present if an organisation is to develop and establish a positive culture. I plan to include some examples from the sporting world as well as, as the business world to add some colour to my thoughts. The first element is the importance of the tone from the top. Undoubtedly the pulse of any organisation is set by its leadership and its ability to create the cultural framework. In that context, a board of directors has a responsibility to identify and communicate the business objectives of the organisation and define the behaviours expected to deliver those corporate objectives. Over the years, I have sat on a number of boards and senior committees, and in my experience, the most successful of those organisations were those that had an experienced board or leadership group who set the right examples for the rest of the business. The expectation, therefore, is that the board will lead by example and will, in that process, display clear thinking in the setting and articulation of the business objectives of the company. The board should also define role model behaviours and demonstrate how these behaviours support the values and the target positive culture of the firm. If you think of this in sporting terms, successful teams in general have successful coaches who set the direction for the team and who help to create the climate necessary for sporting success. In the soccer world, think of Alex Ferguson or Pep Guardiola, or from the world of rugby, think of Steve Hansen or Eddie Jones. These coaches define the goals and objectives and set out the behaviours required to achieve success. They are also great role models for their teams. Of course, a board should also include a balance of executive and non-executive directors so that an appropriate level of challenge can be achieved and demonstrated in the decision-making process. At the time of the global financial crisis, there were plenty of high-profile examples from banks of negative behaviours in various boardrooms and a lack of effective challenge from NEDs. Constructive business challenge in the decision-making process can deliver very positive outcomes. Conversely, an environment where challenge is not welcomed and where the board discussion is dominated by the voice of the few may lead to negative and destructive results for the company and its customers and other stakeholders. In that perspective, it is easy to see how the tone from the top can create the climate for the culture of the company. Poor behaviours from the boardroom will quickly seep into the day-to-day -day fabric of the company, whereas positive behaviours and role model examples should contribute to the creation of a positive culture. The second element I want to focus on is that of individual accountability. This is again a an area of focus for our regulators and a central theme of the recently launched senior manager regime. Holding an individual to account for their actions and behaviour should create a positive incentive to align the behaviour of the individual with the cultural values of the firm with the intention of delivering good outcomes. It is a lot easier to hold people to account if you empower them to do their job in the first place. Empowerment should create a sense of purpose and responsibility with an individual, which should in turn make accountability easier for individuals to accept. A lot of work has been undertaken by firms in the build-up to the introduction of the senior manager regime in articulating precisely the roles and responsibilities of individuals in senior management positions across the firm. 
Again, this has to be a good example of steps being taken to create a positive culture. Assuming that the role and activity of an individual senior manager can be clearly defined, it follows that the activity of that individual can be measured on a number of different points, which cumulatively can demonstrate the existence of a positive culture. In contrast, the lack of a clear definition of responsibilities or a definition that is weak and without foundation or boundary will almost certainly lead to poor behaviours, a lack of accountability and with the inevitable results of poor outcomes for the customer and the firm. Time and again in financial services we have heard of poor individual behaviours leading to poor outcomes for customers, which in turn damages the trust that needs to be present in all relationships between a firm and its customers. For a comparison of the power of individual accountability as a key element towards creating a positive culture, we can again look at the world of sport. The New Zealand rugby union team, known as the All Blacks, has a strong focus towards individual accountability. The team has developed a number of key principles that set the behaviour required for individuals in the team. I'm not going to list them all here, but I will focus on one in particular which sums up the importance of an individual's performance and accountability. The All Blacks believe that their playing shirt embodies all that is expected of an individual when he is selected to play for New Zealand. The expression, leave the shirt in a better place, describes perfectly what is expected of each individual player in his contribution and his attitude. The phrase references all the great players that have gone before and creates the expectation of what is required from the next player to wear the famous shirt. This tangible example is a good demonstration of the importance of individual accountability as a key element that contributes to a positive culture. The third element that I want to cover and that I believe is important in creating a positive culture is that of governance and controls. Let's just take a moment to reflect what we have covered so far. We talked of the importance of setting the tone from the top and we appreciated the importance of individual accountability. It follows that both of these important elements of a positive culture will be diluted in strength if there is an absence of good governance. However, not only does an organisation need a clear structure with good governance, but it must also have an independent control framework. Whilst it is vital that the successful delivery of the business is enabled by an effective corporate structure and framework, it is also the case that the accountability of the governance structure must be positively demonstrated by a professional risk and control function. In recent years, most firms have strengthened their internal challenge and control frameworks and procedures and are able to measure through an audit process the behaviours present in a business. The important element is that the risk and control function is independent of the business and has a sufficient strength to be a positive agent of change in a firm as may be appropriate. Good governance creates the systems and structures for the effective working of the business. If frameworks and boundaries are created in support of the business objectives and clarity is given, then a positive culture will be created. Employees are clear on their guidelines and procedures and are motivated to deliver on objectives. In contrast, a lack of framework and clear boundaries breeds confusion, tension 
and weak motivation, key elements of a negative culture. Equally, an effective risk and control framework will contribute to the positive culture through appropriate business challenge. Holding an organization to account through a sensible risk and control framework should also add to the positive culture. As I said earlier, it is sometimes helpful to look at other industries or businesses for observation or comparison. In the case of team sport, it is very clearly the case that a team must have a positive culture present if it is to succeed in its objective of winning a competition. In the same way as for financial services, clear purpose and good structure with effective challenge driving appropriate behaviours is far more likely to deliver positive outcomes than the opposite which will probably result in tangible negative failure. So, to sum up, to create a positive culture, we need to have at least the following elements present. One, the tone from the top, clear direction and positive behavior setting from the board. Two, individual accountability, clear responsibility to deliver against defined objectives. And three, good governance and risk controls in place and evident. Finally, in human terms, who wants to work in a negative culture? The real job satisfaction comes from a positive culture created by good behaviours leading to terrific results for all concerned. Thank you for listening. I'm James Fleming and this is Sandair On Air.